comic book pit. Okay. <laughs> oh. That's the that's the warm up. That's the cold open. That's right. <laughs> Dick Wolf's name hasn't popped up yet. <laughs> here's yeah. Here's the real opening. So uh, welcome to the comic book pit. Uh, this is episode two ninety two. Uh, I'm Dan, and with me is uh, Sean Atkins. Hello. And then uh, sitting next to him is our friend Jeremiah Ian. Hello. How Hi. are you doing, Jeremiah? Uh, I'm doing wonderfully. How about you guys? Great. Very good. Very thanks good. for uh, thanks for being on the show. We appreciate it. We're we're excited to have you. I'm excited to be here. So I mean, not to be that person who literally goes on to shows and says, "Well, I'm excited to be here," but I'm excited <laughs> to be here. <laughs> so, um, so you, you and I met. Uh, I guess last year, would you say? What, was that when the trivia started, or the or when? Yeah, uh, when? we're we're coming up on um, about. Uh, a, it's been about a little over a year. Uh, I actually just went through uh, the past stuff recently, just to kind of like get an idea of like what I was doing, what I really hated, what I really liked, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and it looks like that it started about a year ago. Okay, yeah, and so uh, Jeremiah is the the host of the. Uh, uh, Trivia nights down at the uh, our local Hard Rock Cafe Pittsburgh, and uh, we met because of uh, uh, our affiliation with uh, uh, well, me working with uh, New Dimension Comics, and we partner with the Hard Rock. And I met Jeremiah, and we've had lots of great conversations about comics and pretty much all things kind of nerdy and mm-hmm. geeky. And and then uh, you know found out that you in fact actually read comics, and so we figured, hey, let's get you on the show. Absolutely. So how did you, uh, just real, real quick, how did you, what's your history with comics? Like, how did you start reading or collecting or whatever? Well, uh, I know I started very young. Um, I remember uh, that uh, I was I was a child whenever the, the 90s Spider-Man one came on. Uh, the, the animated series, the one that has, like, uh, the Aerosmith opening that was uh, terrifying to me as a child. <laughs> it just, like, flashes of... That 90s series was always weird because um, it would be, uh, like, his spider sense wasn't, like, the wavy things around his head. It would just be, like, flashes of, like, neon, like, snakes and, like, you know, um, other weird stuff from the uh, mm-hmm. um, the tunnel sequence of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And uh, and I went you know into... What? I never put two and two together until you actually said that, and that, that all makes sense. Yeah, yeah so, like, like is, It is kind of like a walk <laughs> ride there. I, I don't know if it's if the idea is, like, oh, something scary is happening around it. Could it be snakes? Like, are we seeing into his uh, imagination <laughs> at that time? But um, I became really obsessed with that and uh, a lot of really great animated series from the 90s and uh, slowly kind of waded in from there because uh, the 90s was like that kind of like there's this weird microcosm happening for perfectly for my age where we were getting really weird Batman movies, um, like good Batman cartoons, 
and then good Spider-Man stuff. And then slowly like Spider-Man stuff started happening and, um, film wise. And, uh, originally I came from it from cartoons and film. And then, uh, like for Christmas one year, um, I was handed like a trade paperback from a cousin, I think. And, um, it was ultimate Spider-Man and I devoured it. Mm. And, uh, that's good stuff. Oh, it was so good. Yeah, Ultimate Spider Man's good. And, uh, for Christmas, I ended up getting, like, uh, The Long Halloween and, um, and and stuff because I was like, this is really good. Yeah. So, like, just really starting off strong on, like, Tim Sale and, uh, uh, and, uh, Mark Bagley's artwork and, which I'm still obsessed with to this day. Mm -hmm. And, uh, just, and the same times that I was growing up through high school and reading, like, uh, Herman Melville and stuff and like the classics you're supposed to do when you're in English class. Um, I was also like sneaking like, uh, Frank Miller stuff like out of my bag and, <laughs> and, um, and just like being, uh, continuously enthralled and confused as one does when you're reading, uh, Frank Miller and, uh, yeah. yeah and, and it just, it became an obsession. Cool. Cool. And you're, so, and you are, you're still collecting comics to this day i uh don't collect as much as i would like to just because i've um made the mistake of uh going ahead and making myself real busy uh (laughs) but uh, i've been trying to i know that we were talking like beforehand that uh one of the things i wanted to talk about today was uh doomsday clock uh if anything just because that kind of like kick-started back to like the you know what i want to go back to like trying to collect single issues and uh and trades and stuff i have a lot of trade books but it's been a while since i've actually been like no i'll follow this run and i'm gonna try to grab every book that comes out cool All yeah right. yeah sounds great well um okay excellent well we are uh like i said we're glad to have you and we're you know looking forward to hearing about doomsday clock because uh quite honestly i've forgotten about that series uh, quite honestly uh so did dc for the <laughs> larger part of it's it's uh, a frustrating beautiful um very delayed book oh yeah oh yeah see i i've only seen like ads for it here and there and it looked interesting but i don't know like see watchmen in itself never really like grabbed me mm-hmm. so to find out like other stuff like other Watchmen related uh, books. I'm like, eh. It's like, a, I might have, like, when they were doing uh, the short, or the limited series back, like, a couple years oh, back. Oh, yeah, before to, Watchmen stuff. Or, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I wanted to get, like, the, the Darwin Cook stuff. But not because of Watchmen. It was because, because it was Darwin Cook. Yeah, because yeah. Darwin Cook. It's really good. No, it, it was very good. Um, actually, the reason why I went for Doomsday Clock was just because I actually did enjoy. I, I enjoyed most. Uh, before Watchmen, some of it, I mean, as a total, it's unnecessary. Uh, like, I've always really liked Watchmen because, uh, that was my first, like, real graphic novel. Um, and it was also on the, uh, list of Time 100, uh, greatest novels. So I could, uh, again, in English class, cheat and be like, no, this is literature. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, like, get away with it and write book reports about it. But, um, the, the thing that was really interesting, is that these are really fantastic Elseworlds concepts that for one reason or another are existing in main continuity uh, DC right now, which uh, seems to be kind of the um, 
the MO uh, recently with uh, with DC kind of like trying to decide what their um, what their universe is, which uh, tends to happen every you know decade or so. They right. kind of go like, ah man, and then they have uh, not only an emotional crisis but a literal book that comes out that's called uh, Redundancy Crisis or whatever they decide to call it this time, <laughs> and um, and and that's what they'll go for. But like. It's it's weird because I liked the book so far. Um, they kept saying that it was going to be... They really wanted to follow the Watchmen setup, which was uh, 12 issues. You do one a month. And uh, and that's what they slapped on like every poster, every advertisement that came out. And then uh, somewhere around issue four, they went, nah, actually, you know, this is probably going to take a little while. We haven't really planned this out uh, as much as we should have. So now it's like bi-monthly, uh, which is frustrating because not only does, um, like the most recent issue was issue seven. Uh, and like, not only do you have to read issue seven, you then essentially have to sit down and go, okay, well now I have to read one through six to remember what happened like three months ago. Yeah. That's frustrating. Yeah. Um, which, uh, which is interesting because it took until about issue seven for it to really click for me. Like, I mean, the earlier stuff was really interesting. They're introducing some new characters. Um, they have these new villains named uh, Mime and Marionette. Oh yeah. Who I'm like, I'm obsessed with what's going on there. It really, it feels like if uh, we're talking like early career Mark Miller were to have come up with the Joker and Harley Quinn. Like uh-huh. that kind of like you know oh it's them but crazier like with yeah. with your hands making like little jazz fingers <laughs> and uh, and so um so but the, but it was interesting because like the opposite is happening with this relationship to where they actually really care about each other it's like a loving supportive relationship where like the dudes the um, the mime is, uh, is essentially the muscle who like, you know, he, he points his finger at someone like it's a gun and uh, he fires it and it reacts like a gun. Like he acts like he's throwing a throwing knife at you. Well, you've just been hit with a throwing knife. And, um, she of course is the mouthpiece is going around as like being the jokey person and has like, uh, bladed piano wire, you know, stuff that marionettes have. And, uh, mm-hmm. but the ultimate thing and the bottom line of this is that they honestly really care about each other. And so while I was frustrated with most of this book up until issue seven, because it felt like that somebody in, um, I I keep going back to high school for some reason. I don't care about like, I'm 28. Like I'm not really that interested in like, Oh, the glory days of like when I was shoved into a locker in 10th grade. Um, but for some reason that's, what most of this book felt like was that somebody in 11th grade read Watchmen and got super excited and wrote a bunch of like fan fiction based on like the philosophy that they just happened to like learn in uh, class that week. Like it felt really uh, from the Watchmen characters themselves, it just felt like really kind of like, weak um felt really kind of put upon like oh well you have to put this nonsense in here because it's watchmen mm-hmm. but you're also involving dc characters that are acting normally like mm-hmm. batman's acting 
not like, oh, this is a Batman that needs to work for this story. He's acting like exactly like you'd expect Batman to act. He meets Rorschach, uh, who starts uh, a version of Rorschach um, in this book. Uh, and like Rorschach's saying Rorschach things. And Batman's like, oh, that's a good point. Um, hang on, I think I know who to, uh, who can help you. And he just throws him into Arkham and walks away. Like this is, <laughs> it's exactly it's it's all these DC characters literally looking at all this stuff from the Watchmen universe and going like, wait, wh- what? Why are you doing this? You really don't have to. Is this because you think this is how the only way to get things done, or what's happening? And I thought that that was like a mistake in the book. But it wasn't until um, Dr. Manhattan shows up. Like, a, a lot of this is a search for Dr. Manhattan, who has apparently become, like, the new... Um, he's essentially the creation myth of the DC universe right now is what they're going for, is the idea that um, at the end of Watchmen, when uh, when Dr. Manhattan said, like, yeah, I'm going to leave this Earth, but I might be interested in life later. I might even make some. Um, the central concept is that when he said maybe i'll make another earth it's the dc universe yeah it's 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 but that's the thing i made that exact noise (laughs) as soon as i read that like oh but what if he was the person who created the universe all right cool awesome so i guess i'm reading marvel uh (laughs) until you sort this out yeah that's one of the things it's like that's a really it's a cool uh concept if you are Sitting around playing Xbox and smoking weed. Yeah. But, yeah, exactly. But, that's but that's a actual, two AM conversation, yeah. not a book. But the actual the actual execution of that idea is so much larger. Yeah. You know, and it, 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 in scope and size and you know, the to actually put that together, it's one of those things like just because you can do it maybe doesn't mean you should do it. And plus didn't Dr. Manhattan just kind of have it more like as a throwaway line. I mean, it was, it's like, eh, yeah, it's more I'll of like a, you know, oh, yeah, I'm sure Alan Moore never meant yeah. for it to go beyond that last scene of him saying, maybe I'll create another universe. Or if it did, it was just, you know, maybe I'll create a, a universe. Like a pocket universe. Yeah. That yeah. you could just carry in your pocket. Well, that's the problem like that. with any time that you have a, sometimes like an open-ended sequel doesn't mean, that's not a torch that you have to pick up. That just means it's better to keep you left wandering. Mm-hmm. So when this book starts with like, um, oh, it's 1992 in the Watchmen universe, and these are the implications of like, uh, Rorschach's journal went out, everyone knows what happened with Osmandius, and uh, and all of that stuff happens, it feels unsatisfying because, again, it's like a cool what-if 2am conversation, but mm-hmm. it shouldn't be a book. But that's what was such a complete turnaround with issue seven because uh i like six issues into it i start to get frustrated and uh and i forget that's jeff johns who's writing this now jeff has never really kind of like steered me wrong even as far as like uh, because he did that aquaman run right yeah yeah like i even i even enjoyed that like he's tends to generally be like uh like a solid choice, like something that you can depend on. Like, yeah. well, his name's on there, so this will at least be interesting fodder, even if he's, it means nothing. He's not going to reinvent the wheel, but he's going to give you an entertaining story. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, well, well, where's my entertaining story here? What's happening here? What's taking so long? Like, why did we yeah. end the first issue with Superman waking up from a nightmare 
and now it's like I'm opening issue seven and I haven't seen him since. Like he hasn't been mentioned by name. Like what's going on with this? And then um, Doctor Manhattan shows up in this book to, in this weird meta way, stand there and kind of go, "Oh, this book doesn't need to happen. Like this, there, there's absolutely no reason for you to be here." Um, yeah, I'm kind of like the wait, creating wait. thing on. You're telling me like they he broke the fourth wall or something? Well, I mean, he's a metaphysical concept more than a human being, so I would have to say that. Um, yeah, at one point I mentioned like, like, oh, this book. No, it's it's this here. interesting like you you spend a couple of issues um, with Osmandius going, oh, this is. Uh, like you're kind of making the protagonist but the point of this is supposed to be that like he's essentially the ultimate villain because he believes he's the good guy. And so in the same issue you have Dr. Manhattan um get summoned so Osmandius can say, "Hey, um so I know that like I literally murdered a billion people and uh kind of shooed you away from the planet." And all these terrible things happen. But, you know, it's kind of crazy over on that earth you left. You want to come over and, like, help me clean this up? Because um, I'm going to keep saying I know how to save both worlds, but I need you to do it. Um, and uh, and instead, uh, Dr. Manhattan shows up and goes, no. Like, first of all, not only do you, uh, as a character, not belong in this universe, but you're essentially um in a, in a meta way he doesn't say this but he says it like in the bottom of it um like your storytelling technique doesn't have to be in this universe your choices don't have to be like in this universe it becomes this weird uh, i started to realize as i'm reading this wait every dc character who showed up in this has acted like the DC character, like you get uh, a, a Frank Gorshin Riddler drawing, like whenever he shows up, uh, Batman throws Rorschach into jail. The Joker shows up and isn't like this new extreme revisionist Joker. He's just the Joker. And the only thing that he does that like, um, that seems really kind of like, Ooh, as far as an interaction with these Watchmen characters is he takes the comedian's button because it's a smiley face and he pins, pins it on his suit cause he likes it hmm. and that's it. So it becomes like this weird, I started to realize that like the way that this is being written and with what Dr. Manhattan's saying in issue seven, um, is almost like this weird meta takedown of like how DC's been responding to Watchmen ever since where it's like, no, this doesn't just because it was gritty and good. doesn't mean that it was good because it was gritty. Like these yeah. things aren't absolutely married concepts. Like they can be separate. Like, what are you doing here? Like we're having this metaphysical conversation about how you, uh, like, you know, ruin the universe and like how it's like not, it's your fault, but it's also not your fault. And like, now we have this brainwashed person who thinks he's Rorschach and these other characters and stuff. And, um, and, uh, and while this is all happening, you just have Batman in the background doing Batman things like pretending to be knocked out so that he can just listen to this conversation and go, all right, that's enough. And then getting up, punching the Joker in the teeth and walking out with him. Like the idea of like, this can be so much simpler if you were to just stop, like take a step back, 
realize that sometimes the simplest ways, uh, the reason why we've had Batman for 75 years, the reason why we've had Superman for forever, and um, and the reason why they sometimes don't work isn't because this core mythos doesn't work. It's because you got it into your head that the only way this is going to work is by aping this other thing that's popular. Mm-hmm. And it was it completely like I suddenly understood why they have like the the mime and marionette characters. So I went in going like, well, these are good characters. But what are they doing in this Watchmen book? This would have been fine if they just showed up in like Detective Comics like six hundred ninety two, and people would be like, yeah, cool, you know, hand clap. Um, so as much as like the first six issues, the first half of this were kind of frustrating me with, where is this meandering? Like, I feel like that you guys are just kind of like, you know, doing Watchmen fan fiction because like, Oh, this is cool, but I don't really get it. Instead. It's like this kind of interesting. I don't think this is what DC meant to happen. (laughs) Like that. They're like, no, do this. It'll be really cool. And instead, like, Jeff Johns essentially like watched uh, the night before watched the director's cut of Batman versus Superman and like sat down <laughs> and wrote <laughs> Doctor Manhattan's dialogue. Oh jeez. Oh man. Wow. Yeah, that is. That, that seems like a. I don't know. A mess. <laughs> seems like a very fun mess. No, it yeah. is. Um. The the which uh, the other thing that I was reading was Spider Geddon because <laughs> because exactly that um, I, yeah there's probably a, a, yeah and an, an opposite of Doomsday Clock is probably Spider Geddon no it is because um, Doomsday Clock they told you was going to be twelve issues they contain in a book that's called the event and uh, Spider Geddon has their last page is a checklist of like nine other title single issues. Oh, man. That are going to be a part of that, which is kind of frustrating for events, mm-hmm. which used to be the thing that I would be super pumped for. I'm a I'm a really big kind of like story person. Uh, in, in my in my opinion, uh, Marvel's always been best at character, but as far as actual plot, uh, DC has always kind of like to me like, really kind of championed that, like the idea of like, well, we don't really need to like delve into what's going on character-wise with these people, which is why um, Watchmen was such a shock, I'm sure, when it came out because they're like, oh, what? Like these people are saying like, why well, think this? And like then you know uh, whoever was uh, <laughs> the main editor there, his head exploded and was like, what if all of our characters thought uh, Frank Miller get in here, write a Batman book? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh it's but that's self-contained it's and ultimately it will be because you know that in like 5 years DC is going to like wipe the map and act like that that event hasn't happened mm-hmm. whereas um there's like 137 uh single issue like spider getting things spread across there's the main 3 issue spider getting series and then you have to get like this issue of spectacular uh Peter Parker, Spectacular Spider-Man, this uh, single issue series of Spider Vault, whatever that is, and all this stuff, and then we're going to have to just drag it out and beat on it until like probably Straczynski rewrites something uh, five years down the line where um, 
either Spider-Man's going to get punched in the forehead and forget it all happened, or uh, Mephisto will come back and be like, "Hey, do I have a like? Ret- I have a return receipt for that uh, wedding vow thing that we did. I don't know if this is still good or if you'll honor this coupon, <laughs> but." Uh, <laughs> And, and and meanwhile, in, in six months, you'll be able to find all of the Spider Geddon issues in like the dollar bin. Oh yeah, and yeah. the dollar bin yeah. because uh, right next to it in the five dollar bin will be the trade paperback, which was probably printed the same day as the last issue of that event. Yeah, it's it's really odd to see the differences between uh, how DC and Marvel, like the t- the two big guys. Um, like how they handle their events and their properties differently. It's very strange. I really wanted to come in with like, I read a bunch of other stuff. I finally finished a paper girls, uh, run, but instead I just left with just like this prevailing overall feeling of just like, Oh, what is happening with these, these two big giant billion dollar companies that are just kind of like waving flags at each other from across the, the yeah. way. It's, it, it's tough because it's like, I, I think we all grew up, at some point with, you know, being a Marvel kid or being a DC kid or something. And it's like, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a Marvel kid, you know, and I, I, I grew up with DC too. And I want to love Marvel. I want to love Marvel the way I did when I was, you know, 13 or 14, but it's never going to happen. I mean, a, because I'm 30 years older and B, because they're not the, you know, they're 30 years older. Right, you know they're 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 not the same company. They're not putting out the same product as they did when I was a teenager. Um, but at the same time, it's like I I still love the characters, and I, I you know I I want to you know to read and enjoy a long run of Captain America and Avengers and Spider Man and Uncanny X Men. But right, they make it so hard. <laughs> They make yeah, it difficult. To, yeah, it, Marvel, you make it so hard to love you. And same with DC. Although, I will give DC credit. I mean, at least they, um, you know, their current run of, you know, at their their rebirth um, books, their post-rebirth books, are actually settling into, like, a longer run now. Like, I mean, Batman, Nightwing, what, I mean, like, they're, like, they're in their 50s now. Yeah. And, then, you know, and and meanwhile, Marvel is still, like, you know, rebooting and, you know, like Avengers is just only a number nine after, you know, it's, and, uh, Captain America is on number four or five or something wow. like that. It's just because they, you know, cause Marvel went back to their legacy numbering, but then once a bunch of their big, uh, issue or big titles hit their anniversary issue, yeah, then they would just kind of like, then they went back to like, Oh, here's Captain America. Number one with, you know, slap like a volume four on it as opposed to like keeping these yeah. legacy things because batman um was it was it detective comics that just came out with like uh, yeah. what was it like number uh like uh six 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 like that was like the big thing that yeah. was uh, that came up then instead what we get is um there's this weird thing that sometimes happens with marvel to where uh a throwaway joke that they would make 10 years ago I was like that would never happen becomes like the event of the summer of like the next decade mm-hmm. and so um in Spider-Man 3 the movie uh there's like this this stupid like little scene where they're talking about oh how are we going to rebrand uh the Daily Bugle and um 
the, the I, I think his name's um, Hoffman, comes up with like a couple of stickers and slaps them up on the board. So it says like Daily Bugle. It's hip. It's now. It's um, wait. It's uh, it's hip. It's now. It's wow and how. And that's like the whole joke of like the oh, how desperate could you be <laughs> to like put these things on your your uh, big company? Like, don't you have enough like uh, um like faith in your own product to be able to just kind of call it what it is. Ha ha ha. And then, uh, what last year, Marvel started calling themselves Marvel now <laughs> and, uh, and start rebranding. Everything is number one. They're like, it's a fresh start. It's awesome. None of the other stuff matters. We're literally going to call it Marvel. It's hip. It's now it's wow. And how, so it's, it's, it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been talking forever. Have you guys read anything? <laughs> uh, that's okay. Well, no, it's yeah. Well, actually, so I'm you know um, I think the last last time we did a show, well, Scott and I just did a show a couple nights ago, and we talked about um, a lot of Marvel and DC stuff. And then I kind of every so often I like to just um, read a bunch of like just indie stuff, and it's almost like a palate cleanser. Oh yeah, you know. So um, and I I think I, I I told Sean about this book when we were talking about stuff we were going to read for this week's uh, episode. But um, I don't know if you got a chance to read it, but uh, I read uh, Murder Falcon, number one. Murder Falcon. Yeah. All right, you've already got me. <laughs> it's from um, Image slash uh, Skybound Entertainment, like Kirkman's imprint. Okay. And so, you know, at first I I, I looked at this the cover of the book, just the title, Murder Falcon, and it, it immediately invoked images of books like... Um, shirtless bear fighter and uh <laughs> that grizzly shark versus sea bear from a few years ago where it's or a uh, ninja cowboy uh, uh yeah, yeah, vi- viking, uh whatever yeah, yeah. cowboy viking yeah. battle pope like that kind yeah. of stuff where um battle like or, yeah like, again like three uh like 2 a.m conversations made right. manifest <laughs> yeah the, so the, the, these remind me of like these were funny conversations and someone came up with a with this catchphrase or not catchphrase but this tight like they're like oh my gosh let's murder falcon that just sounds like it'd be a fun comic to draw yeah or um y- years ago um when sean murphy did his he did his book for i think it was for vertigo it's called uh, punk rock jesus yes yes and which it was a beautiful book i could only read about half of it i he really wasn't there like storytelling wise mm-hmm. i love his art but i from day one i just said I think this comic started out as punk. Like someone said, "Punk rock Jesus," and and he was like, "Oh, I got to turn that into a comic." Oh yeah, you know, it's just like you just say something, and it's like you don't have anything fully formed as far as like a plot or characters, but you're be like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna make a comic called Murder Falcon because that's awesome." Well, sometimes you know? just the title or the byline can almost be like enough to like. At least get the thing greenlit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to I went to film school, and uh, one of the exercises that we did was like how to pitch your idea to uh, to an executive or whatever. And um, and I ended up on the board, and I had a lot of questions because like I have uh, a lot of like just feelings about story and like how that should go. Mm-hmm. And so with each title that was coming up, um, where I had to pretend to be an executive, I had like a hundred questions per person. 
uh, until one person came up and said, uh, just the opening line was in the distant future of 1985. And I was like, all right, stop. Let it <laughs> sold. Let you already <laughs> like, that's enough. Murder Falcon sold, uh, punk rock Jesus sold. But do you think that that was like a Marvel method sort of thing to where he was like, this is a great idea. I'm going to draw this out and then kind of like write in the dialogue balloons later and kind of like work that out later. Oh, yeah, that was definitely a thing. I mean, and um, I remember hearing stories about how they, uh, like DC in like the 70s or 60s or 70s, figured out that, you know, through a study that uh, people loved gorillas and monkeys. And so they're like, okay, uh, for this this issue of Aquaman, uh, just draw the cover, draw Aquaman fighting like a space gorilla, and then we'll write a story around it. Stuff like that. Um, so, so in this case, so, so Murder Falcon. I don't know how Murder Falcon got started, but I read it and I instantly fell in love with it. It's, I mean, it, it, it's a great story. Um, if not a little, you know, a little straightforward. It's pretty straightforward, but the the art is amazing. It's written and drawn by um, Daniel Warren Johnson and uh, Mike Mike Spicer. And so we meet uh, this guy, Jake, who's a uh, kind of a, is a rock guitarist who's given up on his dreams. And you find out that, you know, through a series of flashbacks that he's, um, you know, hit some rough patches in his life personally and which were um, very compelling. Like, like the, the stuff about his past life was almost as, uh, as fascinating as the murder Falcon <laughs> part. Um, <laughs> But you find so um, there's a an alien invasion of his planet of, of Earth, and the only way to fight these uh, fight the aliens off is by the power of heavy metal. Nice. And when he plays his guitar, it summons the Murder Falcon, and it's this like com- it's like this hybrid like imagine like the the most um, like stereotypical like America like drawing or photoshop of like like a an eagle or like a falcon with like a tear in its eye and yeah. like <laughs> but it, but and then combine him with like cable from the you know from you know from marvel yeah, like, yeah. or or, or the terminator and he cuz he's got this huge like uh cyborg um arm and then he but, but then he's wearing like boot he's he's for, he's jacked i mean he's like and he's wearing like a red bandana. So how how bandana. cable are we talking here? Do you like not see this uh, murder falcon's feet and it has like really <laughs> long legs or? <laughs> no, it's not that bad actually. Like Bunch I said, like, like uh, no, he no, he's wearing like a like a tank top and camo pants and boots. Oh, I'm so for this. Let you've got and, me. I... <laughs> and and uh, murder falcon and Jake, they just they 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 like they team up and they're fighting off this alien invasion and. Like that stuff is awesome. I mean, just the that's wonderful. It it really is a lot of fun. But then it it it, it, it um like uh like it goes side by side with uh, these these. It's almost like these these flashbacks or these clips from Jake's life, where you see how he got to the place that he was before Murder Falcon showed up in the uh, Alien Invasion. Yeah. And like I said, there's some like actual real human heartbreaking moments in this guy's life, and. Like you could almost tell a story about that. Like it, it would be like some indie, you know, comic. Like you know, oh, this guy's down on his luck type of thing. 
But um, like this works even just by itself. You don't even right. necessarily have to like. Well, now they've uh, drawn you in with this murder, with the suggestion that you were um, saying earlier about the like draw a monkey on the cover and then write around it. So it's it's not even necessarily that like. Well, I've um, I've basically uh, brought you in with the promise of this murder falcon. Now, while I have you here, let me tell you. Um, what the story I actually want to tell you. It's something that like seems like actually sounds like that it's actually like yeah. complimentary. Like it's what it's supposed to be yeah, working it, off each other. It, it, it really, it, it, you know, it does a good job of fleshing out Jake as the main character where he's not just some, um, some wannabe rock star living in his parents' basement, you know, working part time at the Seven Eleven or something like that. Like he actually had a life that, was not typical of someone who's, you know, in a heavy metal rock band. Like he had love, he had a life, he had a uh, a wife who was taken from him, and just all these like tragic uh, series of things. And uh, to the point where you know he he quit the band and he broke his guitar. But it, when when Murder Falcons showed up, you know, he, it was when you know Jake was being attacked by these aliens and he was reaching for the first thing he could find to beat off this alien and it was his broken guitar and as soon as he touched it uh-huh. it was like and it was like murder falcon showed up and and he's like jake play the guitar and it was like he's like you know shredding and yeah it was just really cool everything about okay. this sounds Literally perfect. I, <laughs> I I cannot recommend this book enough. It was I I went in with like zero expectations. How can you have zero and, expectations with a title well, called Murder? Falcon? Well, like I said, to me it it sounded like it was going to be a similar like a goofy story, like like not something I would you would really take seriously. Yeah, but like, like I mean, like, like Battle Pope or like the stuff we were saying earlier, yeah. where yeah, um, where it was it was more you know it was all you know sometimes stories that are like. All sizzle and no steak, you know. Oh, that's a good term. I like that. Um, I did not make that up, by the way. That was. <laughs> I am not going to take credit for that. I, but, I mean, I wasn't going to assume. I no, mean, you're a clever guy. But that's 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 one of my that's that's kind of how I, uh, yeah, that's one of my descriptors for a for a comic that I feel like is, you know, all flash but no substance type of thing. But um, no, I cannot recommend uh, Murder Falcon Number One enough. It was just a super fun book and. Um, yeah, you guys should definitely read it. I'm honestly going. Yeah, I think I will. Yeah, that was. Yeah, you got me. And, yeah, and, and 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 it's not a spoiler or anything, but but one of the best scenes is at the towards the very end, where they had you know just finished this big fight and they're chilling on top of uh, Jake's van, which of course he has a van. Uh, of course, <laughs> he's got a van, and they're sitting on top of of, of the van, um, just drinking beers and and listening to music. Nice, him and the Falcon. Yeah, him and Murder Falcon. <laughs> they're just they're just chilling. Yeah. So do, do they? Um, I'm I'm curious because uh, I know that, like, I mean, rights issues sometimes like being like a little bit of like a different thing. Do they have to do uh, like fake songs or whatever? Or are they able to like actually like I don't know um. write "Carry On My Wayward Son" and like <laughs> spooky lettering so it looks like it's coming out of the you know they. I was looking at the lyrics. That's a good question because I, I I did look at the um, uh, there are a couple of scenes where he's um, playing a guitar and or playing music and you mm-hmm. can you know they they kind of do these um, 
uh, like dialogue effects where it looks like the the lyrics of the song. Right, right. And I was trying to form them in my head as a as a song, and I, I they didn't they they didn't sound familiar to me. So they could just be made up, or they could have gotten permission to do some you know to to take some very obscure metal song and and put, then like put kind of like throw it on and, there. Yeah, because there's one side of it where. Um, I know that uh, when Jerry Dugan was doing the Deadpool run, uh, there was um, a montage in one issues, and one issue where uh, Deadpool like breaks the fourth wall. Can you imagine? <laughs> and uh, and says, "All right, we're going to get a bunch of gratuitous violence." Uh, the next couple of pages is set to, uh, and the, it was like a specific Pantera song. Like it, <laughs> like it literally instructed you listen to this. Uh, to this piece of music while you're reading like the rest of this issue. That's awesome. And um, on the flip side, uh, because the reason why I was reading Spider Geddon was because I really enjoyed Spider Verse, um, even though it was basically just kind of like a um, a very airy, fluffy uh, video game of a book. Uh, there's in one issue in an alternate universe they have uh, Penny Parker and like this. Evangelion esque uh, Spider Man robot suit playing music while fighting to like these really interesting lyrics. I was like, oh, um, and the song's called Love is Just Another Crime. I'm sure that's a good song. Looked it up everywhere. It doesn't exist. Uh, huh. This book was written, I found out afterwards, by Gerard R- Way oh, of My Chemical yeah, Romance. Yeah. So that means that somewhere out there, that song has to probably exist. Like, even as like a. Uh, garage band demo that he left on his laptop yeah, and will just never something that he has written and scribbled in a notebook or something. Yeah, exactly. Like these are just lyrics that are written down with no necessarily like, uh, I'm really curious about those kinds of things to where, um, if they're real songs, if the writer of that title, like had like a kind of like beat or whatever going on in his head, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically, I just want the Murder Falcon album. <laughs> <laughs> I would actually not be surprised if, like, by the end of Murder Falcon, that they put out some sort of like, or like, uh, sometimes uh, you know, you'll you'll get to the end of a comic, an issue, and they'll be like, oh, "This is my Spotify Spotify pe- playlist. This is what I, I was listening to when I wrote this." Or something. oh yeah, I'll, I'll, I'd be willing to bet that there is a playlist somewhere with the, uh, you know, songs you know inspired by Murder Falcon or something. There's a. Um I cannot remember the title of it, but there was a graphic novel that I read that was advertised as like the first graphic novel musical to where uh, there was a uh, link on the back of it to where you could go and like download the album so that like it would go with it. Um, and then also, so like I'm, I've, I've been a fan of finding playlists that inspired the book, uh, ever since I read the Twilight series and, uh, Stephanie Meyer had like, Oh, these people, um, are the people who uh, inspired me to write this just so I could like never listen to them again. You know, it's real helpful <laughs> to uh, to be able to uh, place blame on a music artist. But uh, yeah, like that that would be I would I would buy the Murder Falcon T shirt. I would buy the lunchbox. I would buy the album. I'll buy the Steelbook uh, limited edition Target uh, <laughs> display case. I want the the, the uh, Murder Falcon pop vinyl and the. Uh can, can we get just like a spaceballs array of <laughs> of merchandise that says Murder Falcon? Murder Falcon, the beach towel. Murder Falcon, the flamethrower. That might actually exist. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, so definitely uh, everyone go out and buy Murder Falcon number one. It was awesome. Do it. Um, and every one of them passed then. Exactly. 
uh, Sean Atkins. What do you got for us? Gosh, how can I follow uh, follow that up? <laughs> uh, only if the only way you could follow it up would be if you said. So I read this book called Murder Falcon. <laughs> yeah, and then we awesome. had the exact. But except we all have a transcript, and so you have to read my things I said. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'll go with the the second book I was going to talk about and move it up since, you know, it's kind of absurd. It's called The Complete Zombies versus Robots mm-hmm. by uh, Chris Rawl and Ashley Wood. It came out like, I want to say like I, 10 years ago. Yeah, I remember it. Yeah, I remember yeah. that came out. Yeah. Basically, it's just crazy. It's you've got me on the title already. <laughs> Thanks. I actually bought it because of Ashley Wood. I have uh, I saw his name come up. Oh, I know. I had gotten um, a Tank Girl book that he uh, did some artwork for, and so ever since then, I've been like a big fan. And yeah, sorry, I, w- I just wanted to like look <laughs> at the title. I'm constantly taking out my phone to write down notes for. <laughs> But he does mostly like I think it's like mostly oil paintings and stuff. But it's just just crazy stuff. So I was like, oh well, what other books has he done besides Tank Girl? And I, that came up, and I was like, sold on the title just alone. And I was like, all right, I'll see if it's on Amazon for cheap. Found it for cheap. Oh, this artwork is gorgeous. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so basically, it's how it sounds. The zombie apocalypse comes through. Uh, let's say I think it's like. Uh, scientists have like this alternate dimension they never really go into depth they're just like oh we punched a hole in reality oh what's this dead people coming through and you know it comes over to the other side and uh to fight the robot or the zombie apocalypse scientists start making robots uh to combat these things and Mm -hmm. eventually i guess it's a spoiler i guess but you know, well, that's okay. It's, it's it's been out for long enough. Yeah, <laughs> I can spoil it. I'm actually surprised it's taken this long for that idea to manifest. Because as soon as you said that, like then they built robots to fight the zombies. I immediately became aware of how stupid it is that like oh there's zombies. Let us send human life soldiers I know, right? <laughs> to that's why why is it taking this long for someone to just go like oh robots why like let's just send a drone with like a bb gun on it or something mm-hmm. it's because we're giving them more like you know for every soldier that falls it's just another one that they that we then have to fight off afterwards yeah. that's like really pop art and sketch like bleeding together it's it's gorgeous yeah zombies versus robots it's lovely and it's just, it's fun. It's everything that I want out of, like, a zombie story. I mean, you don't have to go too in-depth. It doesn't have to have too much, like, human characters in there to mm-hmm. reflect on society. This one's more like, okay, here we go. We're going to mm-hmm. merge these two things together and just see what happens. And it's not like a zombie series that's gone on for, I don't know, four seasons too long. <laughs> with no, t- this, is, this is it. Actually, they had two uh, limited series. One was called Zombies vs. Robots. Then the second one came out. It was called Zombies versus Robots versus Amazons. And oh, I don't think I, I heard about that, like the follow-up series. Yeah. I mean, it's still more of that. Just they hmm. threw in, like, you know, the Amazon myth and and zombies get on, like, I, don't know, I forget what it was called, like, the Mascara or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's an island, but it's not 
trying to tread over the Wonder Woman myths or anything like that. Okay, so it's just kind of like more of like the... Um, it's like the Greek stuff. I, I literally almost said the biblical Thermoscara. That's very <laughs> incorrect. <laughs> but, I mean, it's just a very fun series. Or at least the, hold, the book was. Uh, hold it up real quick. I mean, get the shot of the cover. Is it, and, is it there? Yeah. Yep. Uh, I wasn't sure if you were saying, like, hold up, like there was something that was going on. <laughs> hold up, man. Hold up, hold up. Oh, hold up the book. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I don't, I I feel like I, I might have read an issue of that, you know, or two of that when it, because I, I think it originally came out in single issue form mm-hmm. or like a smaller format. And, um, yeah, I didn't know that they had it uh, collected like that. So, I'll have to check that out. I, yeah. like, I, I haven't seen Ashley Wood's art and I almost forgot that 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 they existed. Mm. I mean, it's been so long since they've, you know, been in the uh done anything like for the big two or anything. As far as or, I know, I don't know if he has done any comics recently. I haven't really looked him up too much. Mhm. So. I also haven't really like been able to I haven't really followed Tank Girl since like the original uh, like Jamie Hewlett run, mm-hmm. um, which uh, you know, of, of course, like eventually fed into my like obsession with gorillas and stuff like that. But uh, like the band, but um, that uh, I can really see how that style would be um, would be really awesome for like there, there's like this certain kind of grittiness with like the the sketch and the choices and stuff where it feels more raw and dirty for especially for like a kind of post-apocalyptic kind of thing Mm -hmm. because that's something that will sometimes drive me insane about like post-apocalyptic stuff um but every once in a while there's a couple of uh moments playing fallout 4 where you're walking through a building you're like it should be like this filth shouldn't feel this clean but (laughs) but, uh (laughs) The, but there, there's a real like rawness to that. That's very refreshing. I'm very much into that. Yeah. yeah. He uh, for Tank Girl, he did. I think it's called the Gifting. The Gifting. Yeah. Okay. And it's really good. I yeah. liked it as a the, as a a Tank Girl book. I thought I really I really enjoyed it. Okay. So. Yeah. I don't. I've. I don't think I've read much Tank Girl. Maybe the odd issue here and there, but that's one that I never really got into. I oh, I was away from the mic. <laughs> <laughs> I got into Tank Girl probably like 2000, 2001, around uh, the Gorillas came out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I really liked the that their, their first number one hit, and I went out and got the album. And then I was in art school, so we got to see like the the uh, animated stuff for it like as it was like starting to like really blossom out yeah yeah and it was just something different it was something real cool my girlfriend and i uh went and saw them um actually in philadelphia like at the beginning of the month and um it's still like uh, this month yeah this month nice. like, yeah it was uh it was nuts um because like that live show is crazy but uh for, particularly for the artwork and the animation um there's supposed to be an animated series that's coming out next year I didn't know it was next year. I knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. 
I actually it's can't coming wait, on. It's coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, I'm sorry, but Jeremiah, it, you you fit in so well right now. That's that, that's a that's a that's a you you haven't met Scott yet, but that's a Scott joke. Good. Sorry, Scott. I'm coming for you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> for that crown, Scott. <laughs> um. Oh, so uh, one more um book that I was going to talk about real quick that I. Uh, read was um, I don't know I, I kind of have a soft spot for uh, like old pulp heroes. Oh yeah, and mm-hmm. even though I've I've not read a lot or I've really not watched any um, of the movies or TV shows or anything, but um, I've got something a weird soft spot for like the guys in the domino masks, like the Green Hornet. Oh yeah, yeah, um, or in this case, the Lone Ranger. So there's a new. Um, Lone Ranger series out, and I don't know if it's an ongoing or if it's just a limited series, um, but it's written by uh, Mark Russell, who he did the, uh, the the Flintstones series that DC put out. Oh, that like really interesting oh, cool. kind yeah, of yeah, that kind yeah, of yeah. Like, subversive like. No, series. I really enjoyed that book. Yeah, I didn't really think good. I was going to, but <laughs> no one did. Yeah, no one did. But um, oh, Hanna Barbera. So it was written by Mark Russell, and uh, the art was by this guy named uh, Bob Q. And I, I, I've started to see his name more. Um, I, I don't think it's been in anything um, like mainstream. Uh, like this Lone Ranger series uh, was put out by Dynamite. Dynamite seems to have the the large hold on a lot of licensed characters, a lot of old pulp characters. Mm-hmm. So this was, um, but I thought this was a good one to jump on because it's a number one and hadn't, you know. Um, I know I like Mark Russell's writing, and the art looked, you know, real, uh, pretty good, pretty serviceable, pretty interesting, and it um, and it was uh, also interesting because it the the story seemed a little bit more um, relatable, almost a little more current, even though this takes you know it still takes place in like the late 1800s, like 1887, I think, um, and it's something you never think about, but um, in this story. Uh, landowners and um, are just starting to use barbed wire. Like it's a new, it's almost like new technology for uh-huh. them, and they're using it to uh, essentially even like they're using barbed wire to basically like uh, parcel up the, the state, like parcel up Texas. Um, you so like build a wall. Uh, not really build a wall, but like say say they own like a ranch, and their property ends here. Well, they're going to extend it by a hundred yards and put barbed wire there. And what can you do about it? And, we have barbed wire, like, right? Yeah. And what are you going to do? And it's going to. So these, uh, it's a story about these like these unethical ranchers, and the, they're conspiring with this corrupt state senator, and they're trying to make problems for the open range. Cowboys, the people that are like driving cattle, and um, so any open rangers, any um, uh, uh, Native Americans, you know, it's like there is no law to come out and say, like, to measure the land and say, oh no, no, you can't have this barbed wire here. They're just put, they're just like staking off. You know, they're they're just staking off their land wherever they feel like it. Yeah. And again, who's going to do anything about it? Well, the Lone Ranger is. Of course. I mean, event. You know, of course. So, so the Lone Ranger gets involved, 
he finds out what's going on and but he you know he smartly realizes that this is this problem is it's bigger than him i mean this is like dealing with laws and statesmen and you know it's a it's a big picture right. it's type literal of, property law as opposed to just showing up in your horse and be like hey stop that bang right yeah. exactly he's not just um trying to drive off like you know an, an evil cattleman or something you know um so he's got to uh go for help or he's got to you know try and get some help and he you know it's um you, you get you get the feeling that something bad happened between him and tonto mm-hmm. his faithful companion and um they had a falling out but he is at the end of the book goes to him for help and it you know it doesn't go well but you kind of get the feeling that of course he's gonna help him but um no it just seemed um like it, it was a good issue but it just seemed very you know even though it was a you know book taking place in the 1800s it still seemed very relevant you know that there's you know there's always um you know someone bad someone corrupt someone who's trying to line their own pockets at the expense of you know the downtrodden or the the people that are trying to live good free lives and um you know it's just kind of it's at you know in this time you know like not to get super political or anything but you know in this time of like all this crazy shit going on yeah you know mm-hmm. it, it really it spoke to me more than it probably would have if i had read it a couple of years ago well i you think know? that that's probably why there's uh, particularly just the uh um the zeitgeist at the time i guess would be the a good term for it um I think that's why, like, uh, superhero stuff has definitely, like, had, like, that huge resurgence. I mean, not only because, like, uh, the films and stuff have been really well, but it's people feel good about, like, you know, oh, here's an obviously bad guy who's, like, also just kind of, like, just being dealt with easily. Mm -hmm. But in that same vein, I'm surprised that uh, pulp heroes haven't quite, on, on the, like, larger social stage haven't really had like their comeback yet you mm-hmm. know what i mean like it's uh there, there's been a couple of different little things but even um with some shows like breaking bad or um like westworld and stuff to where it shows you can kind of like defy a genre and have a main character that's like morally uh unsound in some ways that we haven't had like um I don't know, like the shadow, uh, doing like some like deep, uh, deep internet stuff. Like, you know, like, oh, I know your search history. Who knows? The shadow knows. Bang. Like, I mean, like that, that, that hasn't really hit back, which is a shame because those characters are staples. And like you said, there's just because it's, you know, a Western that's set in, uh, like the 1800s doesn't mean that it's not relatable because if that wasn't the case, then we wouldn't have like Red Dead Redemption 2 coming up to like uh, make a billion dollars in the next month or so. Mm-hmm. It's, um, but I'm, I'm glad to hear that, uh, that there's still good work that's being made in those. And I, I definitely want to check out at least, uh, is it, is it just one issue that's out of that one now or is it, there? It's just the first issue so far. Okay. Yeah, it came out, I think, a week or two ago. Oh, so it's, right. it's it's pretty recent, yeah. Man, my read list just keeps getting longer. <laughs> <and> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> uh, I'll uh, I'll give you my uh, girlfriend's um, 
cell phone number so she can um, <laughs> call you to complain personally about the <laughs> about me disappearing even more than I usually do. <laughs> Don't tell her I'm a vigilante. I'm not very good at it. Nice. Um, did anyone have anything else to uh, to talk about? Sure. Uh, I got. I have another book. Okay. Not as long as this. Not as crazy as uh, all the stuff we've been talking about. <laughs> um, this is actually your suggestion. Oh, okay. Cool. So, since I tend to read a bunch of old stuff, and then I talked to Dan on Thursday, and he's like, can you at least read something from 2018? And I'm like, <laughs> they make books in 2018? They do. They do. I know. I know. But... Guys, I don't know if you've heard about this Will Eisner, but uh, this—I <laughs> just found the I'm spirit number like three. That. Yeah, <laughs> no, and 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 don't get me wrong, Sean. I mean, I—that's what I—I I, I love that about you. I, I love that you have like this, like this old soul. No, that's awesome. Know? And and I I I definitely appreciate the fact that you, you know, you're you're the one of us that really does these deep dives into the old stuff. You know, I I wish I could you know more often like really sit down with like a big thick tome of you know dr strange or <laughs> a tome, the tome of dr strange who wrote that one that sounds like a title it's gonna haunt me until like the day i die yeah we're never gonna so, let sean live that down when i was asked to join cbp like a couple years back mm-hmm. i didn't know what to read and right then and there i was reading like dr strange and yeah so i tend to get uh, like essentials, like Marvel essentials. Oh yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like those 20- big thick. Yeah. Those things are awesome. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing wrong with those. And I got like volume four for like the first two episodes I was on. I'd be like, so this is Doctor Strange, <laughs> number eighty four. <laughs> he was still going with Doctor Strange. <laughs> yeah, it was like it was like a serial. No, well, it was perfect. like you guys were talking about like Batman and stuff, and I just kind of got caught up, and I was just like. The next episode would be like, "This is Doctor Strange, eighty-five. So, no. Still reading Doctor Strange." Listen, as a <laughs> as a comedian, I think that that's the most perfect thing I've ever heard. Like the idea of like doing a a long running podcast where it'd be um, where there's like three people, like two they're reading like um, like these these batches of um, like, oh, I just read like this run of like this newer like Batman stuff. Well, I wonder for the future what this is going to look like, but who knows what the future could be for this. And then, um, and then at the end, there's just like the Doctor Strange corner. That's like, well, last uh, last uh, episode, I talked about. (laughs) So that was uh, Steve Ditko's original uh, run. Last week, I did uh, number (laughs) fifteen. Finally, got around to sixteen. Let me tell you, this Dormammu character, I don't know about him too well, (laughs) but he's kind of freaking me out. In this in, in in this episode of Gasoline Alley, <laughs> oh although the, that is on the, my reading list, the Cats and Jammer Kids and the. <laughs> well, did you guys know that? Like, so Lois Lane just took Clark's glasses off, right? Like, I'm reading this uh, now. I think it was published in '38. Um, looks a lot like Superman. Have you heard this? It's <laughs> like, are they? Is it just because they were older, so their faces all were drawn the same? I. <laughs> It's, it reminds me of one of my one of my Cassie favorite Jammer lines kids. from uh, I don't know if you guys ever watched uh, Parks and Recreation. Yeah, but uh, this one uh, in one episode, uh, Tom Haverford, who's Aziz Ansari's character, uh, is complaining about how uh, the town of Pawnee is 
perpetually behind the times and that they they still use Alta Vista as a search engine. And oh yeah, yeah. They're perpetually stuck in the '90s, and he says, "I don't have the heart to tell them what happens to Nirvana or Kurt Cobain." Oh no! <laughs> oh, that's really good. <laughs> anyway, so Sean, so you were saying, so I'm sorry. So, so so you decided to read something as as we discussed you, and you decided to read one of my suggestions. One of your suggestions on my phone. You know you could read comics on your phone now? What? You're mad. By the way, you're insane. I could not read it. I mean, if I was desperate, like if I was at work or something and I had, I felt like reading a comic, yes, I would do it on my phone. But you're insane. Dude, you're truly a man out of time. You're reading like Steve <laughs> Ditko era Doctor Strange on your no, phone. Like no, it's volume, volume four that I was talking about. That, yeah, was, was an actual thing. I just like the like idea that you're reading old school stuff like on on the smartphone. Like no, it's no, it's no, a no, brilliant no. future we live in, but we have the opportunity. <laughs> so you, no, please tell me but, what you're reading. Yeah, I'm but you sorry. read but you read something else on your phone. Yes, I did read something on my, on my phone. I wouldn't read Dicko on my phone. <laughs> Not if I had to. I try to choose. I try to. We have like a. Um, like a tablet? Yeah, like a small tablet, like mm-hmm. an iPad. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I forget the other one. It's like a. It's not, it's not a Samsung tablet. It's. Um, Is it one of those like Windows tablets? Or? I think it's like a Nook. Oh, okay. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But they always like a, end like, up. Like an e reader type of thing. Yeah. But it's always dead because my wife always, like, watches Netflix or <laughs> something. So it's like I go and try to read it, and it's, like, dead. Charge up. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, well, I guess I'll just read it on my phone. Anyways, the book I'm reading uh, is Gideon Falls by Jeff Lemire and dot, dot, dot. I didn't write down the artist. I think it's I think it's, uh, <laughs> uh, a- Andrea, I already have my I, phone out. Oh. <laughs> Andrea Sorrentino. Okay. Yeah. Uh, one, thanks for this suggestion because I didn't have any expectations going in. Mm-hmm. I actually picked it because it kind of sounded spooky and it sounded kind of like Gravity Falls mm-hmm. a little bit. And I really love that cartoon show. <laughs> and I was like, it's oh, great cartoon. maybe. I know, right? It was just a sad. It was two I was two looking seasons. at your notes and I was like, oh, we're talking about Gravity Falls. Cool. Here's another hour. <laughs> <laughs> So I was like, all right, well, maybe this will go into the the weird and creepy, you know, mm-hmm. place. And it totally did. Like, the beginning sucked me in from, like, the camera views of this man. Oh, I forget. It was like, I forget what he was uh, spouting off in his head, like, thinking about it. But just the camera views alone just sucked me in because it was like, first he, the artist chose, like, a, like a fisheye lens. Which that's an interesting approach for a comic book, like art yeah. wise. That's really intriguing. I know, right? Yeah, because I was like, "Whoa, holy smokes!" Like, already you got me with just this crazy angle and the two page spreads throughout this issue. You know, they're just well done. Like, it kind of floored me. I was, I didn't know what to expect. Mm. I mean, I'm not like easily swayed by two page spreads or anything like that. But it was mm-hmm. just like, yeah. just the way they were just laying. You know stuff about, um, but uh, the issue basically is about this priest that comes back to eh, Gideon Falls. Wouldn't you know it? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I forget the priest's name. Unfortunately, I meant to Gideon. write that down. 
Nice. I actually was going to say that. Like, I think it's actually about the Gideon who goes to this place, but it's actually... It's me, Gideon Falls, coming home to Gideon Falls. <laughs> I think the guy's name is Michael, okay. who comes to this town, and he, he's um, uh, taken over the church hmm. because uh, the previous priest had passed away. We don't know yet in the story. You don't know yet. And I think what they're doing is um, they're kind of setting up two storylines that I have a feeling will merge at some point, probably mm-hmm. as short as second issue. Because the beginning part that I mentioned about the wide or the, the fish eye lens and the guy mummering stuff, his name is Norton, who, you know, the beginning scene, as well as he's kind of spliced in throughout the issue, you kind of get a sense that something's not right about him. And, but you kind of don't know just yet where he's going to fall into place. So gotcha. really the Gideon or the, I think his name's Michael again. Like he might not necessarily be sinister. There's just a general feeling of unease. Like that's kind of around him. Maybe. I mean, it also doesn't help that he's an outpatient. Uh, they just said a hospital. So I really don't know what kind of hospital it is, but he definitely is just, He's not all there. Gotcha. So, mm-hmm. you know, so far the, the, the issue is just was just really well done. So, like, I was more floored by just well doneness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is this a current thing? Is this like a trade or? Uh, the one I got was the digital trade. Yeah, but it's still going. I think it's on issue seven. I think the like in the um, uh, review copies we got recently, we got I think the same day we got the trade paperback review plus the like the next issue so mm-hmm. that's yeah. so like volume one's like one through six yeah. or okay yeah. gotcha yeah. and i think if anything and this is the first time i've read jeff lemire i've heard about him for years i think mm-hmm. his i think that one book he used to do called sweet tooth mm-hmm. was like a big thing mm-hmm. yeah, that name has definitely popped up like in my circles and i'm not um as like dipped into comics as i used to be so I would um, well for for both of you guys. Uh, I would recommend uh, his Black Hammer books. Okay, it's really good. All right, yeah, definitely check out Black Hammer. I w- I was definitely impressed by his writing on this one. Like there's sometimes like uh, I think the the beginning dialogue with Michael mm-hmm. and kind of like the welcoming party. Like he when he pulls up to the church, it's like this lady. Um, that lets him in the church and explains like, oh yeah, we, you know, I think his name was like Father Tom. Uh, you know, we left some of his stuff here so you can use it for your sermons and stuff. Kind of like hand-me-downs. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of dragged a little bit because, I mean, you kind of sucked me in in the beginning. Like the first seven right, pages, right. I was yeah. just like, oh wow, oh, what's happening here? And then it just kind of comes to a stop a little mm-hmm. bit with that, but... Uh, it picked it up towards the end. Left me on a nice cliffhanger. Yeah, so. I like those books that like pull you like that because it's um, like uh, the the ones you have to read twice because the first time you're just so completely like, mm-hmm. oh my god, like what is this? And to the point that you, um, it moves so quickly and uh, so intriguing to where you're almost just reading the dialogue balloons, like your first read through just because it's just like, Oh, what is this? Like, and you tear through it and then you have to go back through a second time to really kind of ingest all of the, uh, the things for that. And I feel like that, uh, especially with, um, 
some of those real unique viewpoints and stuff that that's going to be a that's a read twice right there Mm -hmm. (laughs) so and that was gideon falls number one it was really good cool so yeah i think i hit all of that stuff (laughs) (laughs) all right excellent um anything else before we uh well, I would just definitely just say that, uh, like, as much as I was, like, kind of, like, okay, at first, um, I'm really kind of digging what's happening with uh, Doomsday Clock, so I would recommend Doomsday Clock, but okay. um, unless, like, you have, like, ADD and uh, a lot of time on your hands, <laughs> um, maybe... Maybe wait for uh, the eventual uh, Sony animated adaptation of Spider-Geddon that I'm sure will be down the pipeline eventually. <laughs> so uh, go for that one and not the other one. Also, thank you both for adding uh, six new cool things to throw onto my reading stack. <laughs> cool. That's what we bring to the table. I love it. We appreciate it. Oh. Mm-hmm. I just finished uh, Dark Phoenix Saga, so you might have heard of it. <laughs> So oh, what happens here? Hey, um, so last I found out, Jean Grey died. What right. what went with that? Well, uh, she died. What? Is she I back? Know, I don't know what happens after. What? So. No. Yeah. We, we have to I'm wait. sure she stays. We have to wait till X-Factor number one. It's not going to happen for another six years. So uh, What? <laughs> really? Spoilers? God. That's, oh, that's so crazy. Is she going to be drawn with like a bunch of... like? pockets and patches on her and i'm so excited for jean gray covered in belts nobody knows what could happen in the future i mean you know this is the 70s after all so oh wait a second i'm holding a cell phone um i just googled (laughs) x factor number one did you know you could read comics on your uh are you a time traveler sir no what is that fancy sparkle box you have (laughs) oh uh It's just my um, my limited foil edition covers uh, <laughs> that I just bought off the shelf. You know, these are going to be worth something someday. <laughs> it's Spider-Man right. 2099 number one. Oh, full foil. When, when, when everyone thought that they were going to be retiring off of those foil covers and, or, or putting their kids through college. Oh, um, I know. Beanie yeah. Babies, oh, foil covers. Beanie and now the uh, pop vinyls, I'm sure, that will definitely. <laughs> I've got yeah. so many of them at my oh, house. Man. All right. Well, um, I guess we can go ahead and close this episode up. Um, Jeremiah, thanks again for for being here. We really appreciate it. No, thank you for uh, having me. I hope to come okay. back at some time. Yeah, absolutely. We'd love to have you back. Um, thanks, Sean. No, thanks. Anything uh, anything you want to uh, promote or anything coming up for you? You're like, oh, well, I got Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up, and yeah, Halloween, and just more drawing. Drawing, drawing 1972 is coming up for him too it's going to be a big <laughs> one <laughs> he's he's almost finished with that dr strange essential actually, I, was, no, I'm not. <laughs> I was actually peeking at your artwork from here uh, from here that's really cool was that samurai jack i'm spying uh in one of those pages it almost looked like there's a, a kind of gendy tartakovsky kind of like oh, you mean bruce sketch campbell? on the there it is yeah that's bruce <laughs> campbell bruce campbell by way of gendy tartakovsky i love every bit of this look at that that's yep, that's Sean, man. He's that is beautiful. He's, yeah, he's got those those drawing chops. Puts us all to shame. <sighs> uh, yeah, I, I really just have like a, a studio full of like uh, 
kids. I, just draws I came in thinking I was so classy. I have so to actually classy. go home early and let them out. <laughs> I came in thinking I was so classy, and this guy's reading like Essential Doctor Strange and drawing Bruce Campbell. I just got to go home and give up. <laughs> like Life is meaningless. Uh, guess right. I will read Spider-Geddon. <laughs> 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 Who cares at this That's point? Right. <laughs> All right. Well, that was uh, on that uplifting note. <laughs> this has been uh, Comic Book Pit episode two ninety two. I'm Dan. I'm Sean. I'm Jeremiah. Nothing matters. We're all gonna die. Read Spider Geddon. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see you next time. <laughs>